have your Bibles this morning, would you open them please to Psalm 127? And as you're doing so, there's an old expression, heaven help the home. And that expression has never been more true than it is today. As we see the nuclear family being nuked. The nuclear family is one daddy, one mommy, and the children staying together and living together under one roof all the days of their life. We don't see that much anymore. Somewhat as wisely said, the nuclear family is going the way of the dinosaur. Soon it will be extinct. Well, heaven help the home. You know, God has given us some helps that our home might stay intact when everything around it's falling apart. He's given us his word to enlighten us and he's given us his spirit to empower us that we can make our home something special before we go to our heavenly home. I realize that whenever I preach on the home, some of you get very fidgety. Quite honestly, a few of you don't come because you look at your home situation and say, I have failed miserably and I don't want to be reminded of it. The purpose of this series is not to beat anybody up. I'm not a perfect parent. You're not a perfect parent. We have all made mistakes on the journey. The point of this series is whatever your home is right now, Let's endeavor to make it better. It's never too late to start all over again. So instead of being guilty about this, use this as an opportunity to learn that whatever you've done in the past, you won't do in the present and you certainly won't do in the future. And that you might be able to in some way make amends with your children and also minister to your grandchildren in a way you couldn't before. Psalm 127, God's way to build a family. Except the Lord build the house, unless the Lord builds the home, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, The watchman waketh, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Children are a heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is a man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies of the gate. Parenting has never been easy, but technology has made it more complex and more difficult today than in any other time in history. The average child, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation, 
spends eight hours a day of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year. The average child spends eight hours a day consumed on an iPod, a phone, a computer, a video game, a radio, or a television. Over one half of a child's waking hours each day is absorbed in some kind of electronic media device. The result of this is that social interaction, spiritual interaction between parents and children is now at an all-time low. It is said by those who study such things that the average home, the average parent with the average child has a total of 20 minutes a day of any interaction. Not meaningful interaction, any type of interaction. Now, if that is true, and maybe it's less in some homes and more in others, but if that's true, who is raising our children? Who's teaching them the values and the virtues of life and faith? The electronic media is. Maybe that's one of the reasons why our children today have so little respect of our values. Most of them don't even know what our values are. We've never had a conversation to ever tell them. And maybe that's why our children have even less interest in our faith. Because we haven't never spent any time explaining to them how important the Lord Jesus is to us. How important the church is to us. How important the Bible is to us. How important the things of God are to us. We have allowed the media to influence and impact our children and even our grandchildren. We've allowed gadgets to raise them. Not we ourselves. Now we can't change the past. I told you that earlier. What's been done has been done. But we can change the future. And the way we change the future is by changing ourselves. And our approach to parenting. In our text we're going to learn some basic principles to get us started in this series about parenting. And I want you just to listen. All of this is on our website if you want to go back and take notes. But I think sometimes we can just get our head buried in notes. I really want you just to listen. I didn't say hear, I want you to listen. And I want you to listen with the two ears that are attached to your head. But more importantly, I want you to listen to the ear of your heart. And this stuff is just basic stuff. But you know me. I believe if we do the basic stuff well, we'll win. Blocking and tackling make great football teams. And doing the basics make great parents and make great Christians. Verse 1, let's get our first principle. 
as parents, we must not overestimate ourselves. Interesting, I'd say that. Look at verse 1. Except the Lord build a house. That doesn't say except the parents, right? Doesn't say except the village. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain, whoever the they are in the house, to build it. Except the Lord keep the city. The watchman waketh, but he does so in vain. As parents, we are called to watch over and work for our children's benefit and safety. But unless God blesses our watch and our work, the result will be a mess. Let me say that again. Unless God blesses our watch over our children and our work toward our children, the result is going to be a mess. Somehow we have got the idea that it's all on our shoulders. The outcome of our children, the outcome of our grandchildren Rest is on our shoulders. Like Atlas held the world on his shoulders in Greek mythology, we hold our children and grandchildren on our shoulders. And if they rise, it's because of us. And if they fall, it's because of us. God has very little to do with it, most of us think. God is for Sunday. Maybe for Wednesday. But most of the time, he's not part of the equation when it comes to raising children and grandchildren. Somehow we've got the idea that we're too smart. We don't need God. We're too skilled. We're too savvy. We're too strong. We're too sophisticated. We really don't need the Lord's help. After all, we've got the village. Why do we need God? And you know, this thinking has brought ruination to our country, to our churches, and to our homes. If God doesn't bless, we have a mess. Say that in your mind. If God doesn't bless, we have a mess. An article in Christianity Today said this, and I'll quote. We as parents are not primary over our children, nor are we sovereign over them. That position belongs to God. Children are not tomatoes that we stake out. They're not dogs that we train. They're not numbers that we plug into some mathematical equation. Children are beings wonderfully and fearfully made of God. And parenting is an endeavor. 
that requires love and patience and endurance and risk and above all, faith. It is faith, not a formula. It's grace, not a guarantee. It's steadfastness, not a success that God is looking for. It is trusting God to cover our mistakes as parents as we try to walk with Him as sons and daughters. Parenting is not about technique. It's not about performance. It's about faith in God. It's about faith in God. If I can entrust my eternal soul to Him, can I not entrust my children and grandchildren to Him? We as parents, we overestimate ourselves. When our children turn out well, we pat ourselves on the back and say, look at me. I'm a big deal. And when our children turn out not so good, we hang our head and moan and groan and say, don't look at me, I'm a failure. One is positive pride, the other is negative pride, and pride is not of God. We don't need to overestimate ourselves nor underestimate ourselves. We need to understand it's about faith in God. Also want you to notice the second principle in verse 2. As parents, we must not overestimate ourselves. But secondly, as parents, we must keep work in its proper place. Verse 2 is a, a word of wisdom and a word of caution to those of you that would call yourself a workaholic. It is vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and the implication is to go to work. It is vain for you to sit up late and do work. Because in doing so, you will eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Now I understand the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. I understand the importance of work. It allows us to provide for our families the things that they need. But pay attention. When your work or my work becomes an altar in which we sacrifice our families on, it is wrong and it is wicked. When our work, whatever kind of work you do or I do, when that work causes us to build an altar and to worship that work as God and to sacrifice our wives and our husbands and our children and our grandchildren on that altar, it's wrong and it is wicked. I'm aware that there's an old saying there's a lot of old sayings that says, make as much money as you can as long as you make it honestly. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? But do you know it is flawed? 
and it is wrong. Not all old sayings are true. Not all old sayings are true. Think about it. While you're out making all of that extra money, honestly working hard to make all of that extra money, that you can have perhaps a bigger house, a nicer car, more clothes, shinier jewelry, a better college to send your children to, a better lifestyle. It's all going toward their good. While you're doing all of that, working all of that overtime, where is that time coming from that you put into making that money? There's only 24 hours in a day. So if you're going to increase the amount of time you spend working to make money, to buy things, to make those around you happier or have a better life, where is the time coming from to do that? Well, it could come from your sleep. It could come from personally taking care of yourself. But most of the time it comes from your relationship with your spouse or your children. To make all the money you can make, whether you make it honestly or not, means that you're usually sacrificing your wife and your children on the altar of that money. And your absence from the family, one day it's going to cost you dearly. You pay attention to your pastor. One day it will cost you very dearly. David Livingston was one of the greatest missionaries we have ever seen. He went to Africa and did a great work for God in Africa. So much, in fact, that when he died, they left half his body in Africa and sent the other half back to England. But David Livingston wasn't a perfect man. In many ways, he was a workaholic. He was a man of God. Are you listening to me? He was a man of God, but he was a workaholic in the ministry. In the final years that he had, he wrote a letter to a friend that was far younger than him back in England. Thought it'd be interesting that we peek and see what he said. Among other things, he said, I hope you are playing with your children. He's writing this to his friend. I have one regret in my life. I did not feel it necessary to spend time with my children. I worked too hard and I worked too long when I should have been playing with them. And now it's too late. Now it's too late. A little girl asked her mother, why does daddy bring home so much work from the office? And the mom said, well, he has so much to do. And he can't get it all done at the office, so he has to bring it home. And the little girl said, well, maybe they should put daddy in the slow group. 
so he can finish on time. You know, that's not a bad idea for some of us. Maybe we just need to slow things down and get into slow group and realize that when eternity comes, our children don't really care what kind of house we leave them or what kind of car we give to them or what kind of clothes they wore. What they want more than all is, is us. I've never stood over a person who told me as they were dying, I regret having spent so much time with my wife and children. I've never had anybody tell me that. I've had quite a few tell me, I regret that I spent my life pursuing things that were important to me, but now in the scope of it all were irrelevant. As parents, don't, over, don't overestimate ourselves. We need God to bless our homes. Or they're going to be a mess. I don't care what techniques and how good you are at carrying them out. If God isn't blessing your home and you're not walking with God and trusting Him by faith, your home is going to be a mess. And parents, we don't need to spend a lot of time working if it's going to cost us the things that we're working for. Principle number three. Notice verse three. Children are a heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of his womb is their reward. Verse 4, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. Interesting, he would use arrows. Why didn't he use a sword or a spear or a slingshot? He said, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They shall speak with the enemies in the gate. As parents, we must not overlook our children. We don't want to overestimate ourselves. We want to keep work in its proper place. And we want to make sure that we don't overlook our children. Children are a blessing, not a burden. They're a heritage, not a hindrance. Solomon calls those who have children a reward. That's interesting. They're a reward. They're a gift from God to those whom he wants to bless. They add to the home. You say, what do they add? Happiness. And they build a home. How do they do that? Through the ministry that they will have. Children bring happiness to the home. Children allow the home to be a ministry weapon for God against the enemy. A woman came to Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of England many years ago. And she said, Pastor Spurgeon, I feel a call of God. 
to go into the ministry. Dr. Spurgeon said, well, are you married? She said, yes, I am. He said, do you have children? She says, I sure do. I sure do. I have 13 of them. And Charles Spurgeon looked at her with that little grin that he had. And he said, well, praise God. He's not only called you to the ministry, he's given you a ready-made congregation. Parents, we are the pastors to our children and grandchildren. You understand that? We're their ministers. And they bring happiness to us as we minister to them. And one day, God will use us to send them out. To be ministers unto him. Verse 3 says the children are a blessing from God. Have you ever looked at your children that way? They're a blessing from God. You say, Pastor, you don't know my kids. They're a headache and a heartache. Listen, they're a blessing from God. You know, much, much of how we feel about things comes about how we look at things. Are you the glass is half full or the glass is half empty person? Are you somebody who looks for the compliments in a person or someone who looks at the criticisms? Are you a negative person or are you a positive person? And I've often found how we think about people and talk about people is what they will become. You know, we make Frankenstein sometimes. By how we look at people and talk about people. And our wishes sadly become true. Children are a blessing from God. Look for that blessing in them. Compliment them. Think highly and positive of them. That doesn't mean you don't discipline them when they need it. A good board of education on a seat of learning does wonders. But that's for another sermon. Verse 4 tells us that children are like arrows. And when they're put in the hands of parents that understand that, all parenting is is practicing with the bow. For the day that you're going to put your children in that bow. And shoot them off. Into the camp of the enemy. And allow them to do a work for God. You know some of us try to hold on to our children. We don't want them to go anywhere. We don't want them to do anything. We, we in, in essence we become enablers for them. But our children are gifts from God and God wants us to raise them in such a way that they learn responsibility, they learn accountability, they learn to love the Lord, they learn to love the things of the Lord. They they grow up in a place where they're taught that honoring God is important. And then one day we're going to send them out. We're going to put them in our bow and we're going to shoot them off into the world. 
and pray that maybe one of them will become a pastor or a missionary or a theologian or evangelist. You know, arrows can do great damage to the enemy. And they do it from long distance. And that's why the Lord used that weapon. If we want to make a difference in this world for Jesus against the enemy that's all around us, we've got to shoot our kids out into that world. And we have to have the confidence that we've raised them in such a way that they will not fall to the enemy, but they will have victory over the enemy. Notice in verse 5, he once again reminds us that children bring happiness. Children bring happiness. And also in verse 5, he reminds us of another truth. Children will one day take care of us. Say, so where do you get that from? They shall not be ashamed but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Now, this is speaking of the children. One day, your children will not be ashamed of you. And they will do business for you at the gate. The gate in that day was a place where transactions took place. It was a place of business. And what we're reminded is one day, our children hopefully will not be ashamed of us, but they will help us by carrying out transactions for us as we get older, looking out for us at the gate. Some of us are getting to the age where their children are doing that. Now, we can be a little stubborn sometimes and don't want them to. But if you raise children the right way, one day they will reciprocate how you raise them by raising you. And they'll take care of your legal matters and your financial matters and your medical matters and your personal matters. Why are some of you looking so sickly green out there right now? How you raise them is how they're going to raise you. Keep that in mind. What can we do? What we can we do right now? Well, in closing... I don't know what you watch at home at your house. My wife likes to watch whenever she does watch TV. She likes to hog the TV up and watch these home improvement shows. If I've seen one, I've seen them all. And I want to pull my hair out by the roots. But I'm a good husband, so I let her watch them. But... I found it interesting on one of those home improvement shows that the particular person who was on that show was giving out some advice to those who do home repairs, home improvements, makeovers, whatever you want to call it. And they had five remodeling tips. Okay? Now, I thought these were pretty interesting, so I kind of 
roughly jotted them down. Because you know something? As you listen to these, you're going to say, that's like raising kids. Five remodeling tips for your home. Number one, it will take longer than you planned. It will cost you more than you figure. It will be harder than you think. It will require more patience than you expect. And it will bring you more joy when you're finished than you ever saw it when you started. Now, if that's true for remodeling a home, isn't that really true for parenting? It's going to take a little longer than you planned. That's okay. It's going to cost you more than you figure. <laughs> That's okay. It's going to be a little harder than you think, even if you've got the how to do it manual. It's going to require more patience than you expect. But when you're finished, the joy that those children will bring you the joy that they will bring you will be far more than you ever imagined when you started. Without God's blessing, our homes will be a mess. I want to challenge you with four little things wherever you're at in the journey of parenting. Some of you are just out. Some of you are somewhere in the middle. Some of you have already finished and you're winding down the home stretch with grandchildren and even great-grandchildren. What can we do wherever we're at? Remember, we don't want to live in the past. You can't change it. Why live in it? We want to do something now that can make a difference later. First of all, let's model the Lord. Let's endeavor wherever we're at right now. To model Jesus. To model Jesus the way we talk. To model Jesus the way we walk. To be so filled with Jesus every day. That when our children and grandchildren look at us. They see him. But every day. To do it publicly and privately. To do it constantly and continually. Not just on Sunday. Not just in the sunshine. But in the other six days of the week. And do it in the dark. To model Jesus. You can do that. I can do that. We can do it right now. Starting right now. Secondly, let's pray for our children. Last week I preached on prayer. Every one of you acknowledged that you believe in prayer. Then I'm asking you to put your time and effort where your mouth is. And pray for your children. You say, Pastor, they're a mess. That's okay. God can put Humpty Dumpty's back together again. Pray for your children. Pray for them by name.
pray for them for the need that they have at this very moment. But pray for them. Trust God to take care of them. Trust God to correct the mistakes that you have made. Trust God to right the wrongs. Trust God. And pray every single day for your children. Thirdly, spend time with your children. 20 minutes a day of social, spiritual interaction takes place in the average home. That would include, hi, how you doing, bye, see you later. 20 minutes a day to influence and impact their life for eternity. While they spend eight hours a day dabbling in social media and electronic media, and we wonder why they are what they are. Most children don't care what kind of house they live in, what kind of car they drive in, what kind of clothes they wear, what kind of food they eat. Most children don't care if they go to Disneyland for vacation or not. What most children are longing for is a mom and dad who will spend time with them. I did a funeral Friday of a lady and the thing that her family said immediately when I asked about her life is that she was a magnet for the kids in the neighborhood and for her own kids. Her, her home was a kid zone. And I said, why do you think kids love to be around her? Why do you think your home was Central Avenue for, for all children? And her daughter said, because mom, listen. When children came to her house, they knew she listened. Maybe we need to spend time with our children and listen to them a little bit more. Hug them a little bit more. Be involved in their lives a little bit more. Play with them a little bit more. My fondest memories of my father is playing ball with me in the front yard. Didn't do it a lot, but I remember the times too he did. And as I think back at my dad, that's what I think about. I don't think about all the other things where he was recognized and rewarded. I think about playing catch in the yard. When I discovered I wasn't right-handed, I was left-handed. See, he was gone the first 12 years of my life, so I just thought I was right-handed. Back in those days, you didn't know the difference. My mom didn't. He figured it out very quickly. Spend time with your kids. Pray for your kids. Model the Lord before your kids. And then prepare your children to serve the Lord one day. Your daughter came to you and said, Mom, I want to be a missionary. I want to go to, to Vietnam. And I want to spend my life trying to reach the Vietnamese people for Jesus. How would you handle that? 
you try to talk her out of it? Would you try to tell her the difficulties of it? Would you try to negate the calling of God she believes on her life in that area? Or would you say, God bless you, honey? What can we do to help make that possible? You see, so many of us want children to serve the Lord, but we don't want it to be our children necessarily. Send somebody else's children to Vietnam. Send somebody else's children to Burma. Somebody else's children to the darkest parts of Africa. Send somebody else's children to Iraq or Afghanistan. Not mine. The purpose of raising our children, ladies and gentlemen, is to prepare them to go into the world as arrows. Take the gospel to the enemy. And do great damage to his kingdom. As we await our kingdom. So model the Lord. Pray for your children. Spend time with your children. And prepare your children. And it's never too late to start right now. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.